Welcome to the HR Chat Show, one of the world's most downloaded and shared podcasts designed for HR pros, talent execs, tech enthusiasts, and business leaders. For hundreds more episodes and what's new in the world of work, subscribe to the show, follow us on social media, and visit hrgazette.com. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum, and joining me on this episode is the awesome, wonderful, super famous Ron Tite, founder and chief creative officer over at Church and State. An entrepreneur, speaker, and best-selling author, Ron Tite has always blurred the lines between art and commerce. He has been an award-winning advertising writer and creative director for some of the world's most respected brands, including Air France, DoorDash, Google, Intel, Microsoft, Volvo, Walmart, and many, many more. He's the founder and chief executive officer over at Church and State, hosts, uh, host and executive producer of the hit podcast, The Coup. I always get really nervous, listeners, when I interview a fellow podcaster because they're judging me. Uh, And he's the executive producer of the documentary film Fresh Water. Ron has written for television and, and he wrote and performed a hit play, created a branded art gallery. He's also published an award winning comedy book and for five years was executive producer and host of the award winning comedy show Monkey Toast. Hey, Ron. Welcome to the show today. Well, thank you, Bill. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And, and hello to everybody out there who's listening. <laughs> I was saying to Ron before we hit record, it's such an honor to have Ron on the show. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Ron. He, he's, a, he's, a, he's a celebrity everywhere, but um, particularly in, in Toronto, where I spend a lot of my life, uh, he's just such a well-known and well-respected guy. So it's about time that I got Ron on the show today. Um, Ron, beyond my reintroduction there, why don't you start by taking a minute or two and telling our listeners a bit more about yourself? Thank you. I, um, in addition to all that, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a father of two young boys, uh, four and a half and two and a half, Max and Ben, and uh, and husband to my wife Christy. And yeah, I've kind of, you know, I've always blurred those lines, as you said in the introduction. I was a stand-up for twenty years, and that thinking has kind of really, the kind of the observation and gathering of the insights from a comedian perspective and the structure of building comedy sets and stuff that is it has influenced a lot. It's influenced my writing. It's influenced my speaking. I do about 70 speeches a year around the world. Um, and just a really non-traditional uh, skill and experience that surprisingly has added a lot of benefit in business. Are you looking to modernize your HR platform or integrate with an off-the-shelf technology? Are you focusing on the tech needs of your HR team to make them future ready? Whatever your needs may be, an HR technology partner can help you understand your requirements better. Harbinger is a leader in HR tech with decades of experience in providing HR solutions to enterprises and HR product companies. Learn more at harbingergroup.com. Wow, 70 talks a year. And and those are largely in person now that we're able to do that again. Is that right? Yeah. It yeah. I I, you know, am now back up to the pace I was in 2019. So September was my busiest month since 2019. And uh yeah, things are fully back. I mean, the nice part though is that there are still some stuff that happens virtually. So uh not next week, the week after. 
I need to go to Virginia to do a speech and somebody wanted me to do something. I was like, well, I can't do it in person, but I can do it virtually from Virginia. So that's what I'm doing. So doing a virtual talk from another uh, location, which is great and flexible for me and for, uh, for clients. Oh, brave new world that we all live in. Eh? Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Tell me a little bit now, Ron, about the mission of church and state. Well, church and state, I was used to be executive creative director at Havas another you know, a, a international agency and left to start my own thing. And it was, but it wasn't like, I want to do what they did, but cheaper or faster, or smaller. I just thought that the, the worlds of content and editor or sorry, content and advertising were really being blurred as you moved into content creation, distribution through social platforms. Um, and <clears throat> nobody was looking at it that way. It was always like agencies do one thing and, broadcasters and magazines do another thing and they're incredibly dependent on one another. Um, But nobody was dealing with the merger of these two worlds. And so that's what we do. We fundamentally believe that, you know, people used to vote with their wallets and now they vote with their time. And so whether you're the BBC or the wall street journal or, you know, Google and Walmart, you simply have to win the battle for time. You got to create stuff that is, smart enough, relevant enough, timely enough, entertainment, you know, entertaining enough to simply win that battle for time. So that's what we focus on. And I would add, Bill, you know, for a human resources audience, that those same rules applied inside the organization. That to, you know, our ideas are adopted through how we communicate them inside an organization. When we get people on side to join us, that's typically because of how we've communicated them. And so those same rules apply inside, that we need to create communications that are relevant enough, timely enough, interesting enough to uh, win the battle for time with our colleagues so that they can join us. You must be a mind reader because that's where I'm going to go now. Yeah. This interview. Rob. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that- because, because some of your listeners might go, he's a marketing guy. I'm not sure what this means. I fundamentally believe that marketing should either report to HR or HR should report to marketing. Indeed, indeed. And that's my next question for you. Okay. Um, because you, you have a history of working in the marketing advertising space. And as you just mentioned there, you, you believe that either HR has to report into marketing or marketing has to report into HR. We've spoken a lot about the the fact that HR is marketing in many ways these days on, on this show. In your opinion, how, how are the two departments interconnected and why should HR take its direction from marketing or vice versa? The most powerful marketing campaign that any organization could come up with is somebody going into a business or interacting with a business and that person delivering exactly what that person wants. Way more powerful than any campaign that I could ever create or that we could ever create. And so there's that. And we look at the rise of experiences and people wanting brand experience. Well, who are delivering those experiences? Well, ambassadors of the organization, employees of the organization. And uh, and where organizations fall is when they experience integrity gaps, which is when the actions of people inside an organization contradict what the organization supposedly stands for. So all these things are great marketing messages, but they typically sit within the realm and the purview of HR because you need to re- you need to recruit those people, you need to train those people, you need to retain those people and compensate those people. And those people need to 100% be aligned on the purpose of the organization, whether they have a customer-facing role or not. 
And so that's why I think it all ladders up that um, if you start with the purpose of the organization, the think part, what do we fundamentally believe? Secondly, if that's what the organization believes, what do we need to do? What behaviors do we need to take on a daily basis in every single department of the organization that reinforces that purpose? So that's the people layer, which is the purview of, of HR. And then the last part is, okay, if we think this and we do these things, how do we talk about it? Well, the how do we talk about it is the simplest part. And that's kind of that marketing piece. But what marketing needs to talk about is what the organization fundamentally believes in and how the people behave to reinforce it. If you're enjoying this episode of the HR Chat Show by HR Gazette, why not subscribe and get the latest episodes delivered straight to you several times each week? And remember, for the latest articles and interviews related to what's new in the world of work, visit hrgazette.com. What are some of those common HR activities done today that are perhaps previously managed by by marketing folks? Uh, so, for example, the efforts around projecting the value of the employer brand. Right. The the you know we write something called a brand narrative which is answers these five every brand narrative the story of a brand or the story of an organization should answer sequentially these five questions one what's going on in the world two what problem does that create three what do we fundamentally believe about that problem four how do we solve that problem and five why should you believe us that's the story that every organization should have and articulate and we spend a lot of time helping people do that now, we, once you've got that story, then you slice and dice it and you slice and dice it for different audiences. So for oh, marketing, we're going to dial up this part a little bit and, you know, and for uh, the employer brand, well, you, it used to be like, that's a different group of people. It's internal comms and the external people don't want to touch it. This is critically important. And it's no longer the ugly cousin if that's a term that's, that's even used is, or this, whatever, it's no longer this, like, you know, second class citizen. It's just as critical, if not more important than external comms. And, um, and so that uh, the employer brand should be 100% consistent with the external brand. It's all coming from the same brand narrative. It is all communicating the exact same purpose. It's just the output means that, you know, the, uh, the meaning of it. So here's what this purpose means to you as a potential employee. And here's what this purpose means to you as a potential client. But it's the exact same comps. Thank you, Ron. I want to switch focus a little bit now. Um, as part of part of my homework ahead of this conversation, uh, I was all over your your LinkedIn earlier. Um, I'm, I'm that guy. I'm, I'm stalking you on LinkedIn. Yeah. Trying to learn more about you. And in a recent LinkedIn post, you wrote the following. Employers are looking for people who can manage their relationships and do their job, especially mm -hmm. now. In May 2020, nearly half of US workers reported feeling that their boss cared about their well-being. That number has since halved. Plus, workers who reported feeling uncared for by a boss were 69% more likely to look for a new job or report suffering from burnout. My question for you, Rob, is why do you suggest that many leaders have reverted to type, have reverted to pre-pandemic form and are being less empathetic or supportive of their employees now? There's a couple of things at play here. One is, hey, managers were, managers were just as slammed. Managers were dealing with 
uh, really challenging home situations. Managers were dealing with trying to keep businesses afloat. Managers were um, dealing with a, a, a level of stress that they had never experienced before. And so it's amazing how when we started out saying like, we're all in this together. No, we're not. We're not all in this together. Every single one of us has a completely different situation. And over the pandemic, I think those unique situations were, uh, became much more um, uh, obvious. Um, and that we used to think like, oh, we're all on the same team here. And we all have the same challenges at, at the office. Well, when you start to blend those worlds of home and office, suddenly I got, I'm a 52-year-old dude with a two-and-a-half and a four-and-a-half-year-old. My situation is completely different than everybody else my age. So, um, so managers start to deal with their own stuff. So that was number one. Number two, uh, we all became a little bit more selfish in terms of taking care of our families and our own personal situations. Um, the other thing I think was that they found it really, really difficult. It was pre-pandemic. We we're in this, what I call a straightaway, right? Ah, you're in the straightaway. This is everyone. Business is great. And you just kind of put the pedal to the metal. The second you enter a corner, you need to kind of like slow the car down and you need to make really specific decisions that will fundamentally alter the course of the car. And the challenges that managers didn't know what to do. They just didn't know what to do because it was unprecedented, because the, the future was so unclear. And I've talked a lot of this idea of now what? Like that people want to do the right thing. They just don't know what the right thing. They don't know what the right thing is right now. You know, because there's no clear answer. Are we saying people need to be back in the office five days a week because we're going to collaborate that way? Are we saying, no, we're going to go and we're going to celebrate the freedom of being at home uh, so people don't have to commute? There is no right answer. No right answer. And managers are stuck wanting to do the right thing, but they don't know what the right thing is. So they've just kind of reverted. Watch your space on that one, listeners. I, I interviewed the, the the head of people analytics at Microsoft directly before this interview with Ron today. Uh, regular listeners of the show will know that uh, we record these episodes in advance and then we release them a few weeks later. There will be some insights on on some of the comments that Ron just made there and, and some of these questions that we all have because uh, the, the team over at Microsoft are very busy trying to find out, for example, how often we need to be in the office to support the company culture. But that's uh, that's just a teaser for the future. And uh, it's not relevant in, in terms of the other questions that I'm going to ask you. So I'll stop talking about that and continue <laughs> through. I look um, forward to listening Rob, to it, though. <laughs> thank you. Um, I'll share it with you for sure. Uh, Rob, in another recent post on LinkedIn, you shared some thoughts on work-life balance. Uh, and you, you said as follows, when we talk about work-life balance, we usually define it as making sure my work-life doesn't creep into my personal life. You shared a little bit about that a moment ago. Um, mm -hmm. And then you added, I, I think it's way more complicated than that. Often our personal life creeps into our work-life in the form of emotional distraction. The toughest part of the some toughest part of that, those people often feel like they can't or don't want to talk about it with their colleagues. It's difficult to acknowledge their efforts at work, but we can certainly do it. So my question for you is, how important is it to the company culture that employees are able to share info on their personal lives, to be authentic with colleagues? Um, what, what, what does that do to engagement levels? I think it shoots engagement, engagement levels through the roof. Now, I, I think it's really critical, but I would, you know, I would never, ever compel somebody to share personal stuff. I think it comes with some people are just far more comfortable, they're far more open. I certainly am. But I think what's been, when you do that, why 
improves engagement and why it really builds culture is we suddenly start to see the whole human being and we connect to the whole human being and that there are so many people who come to work every day, be it in an office or virtually, and they show up looking and acting and sounding like the stock photo version that they think they're supposed to look and act and sound like. And it's either this is what a person at this company looks and acts and sounds like, or it's this is what an HR person looks and acts and sounds like. And the result is the their colleagues or you know the people that report to them think, well, if you're not comfortable sharing the real you with me, like if you're hiding the real you from me, my gut is says, what else are you hiding? But when you come out and you're willing to share challenges that you face on a daily basis, um, now suddenly people, they're, they're, they're meeting the real you. They're not meeting your representative, your professional representative. And that builds trust. And that builds collaboration. And that builds culture. Well, I remember saying to someone on our team, like, in a, in a, in a Zoom call, like, I, you know, your roots are showing. And I was like, screw you. Like, no, no, like your roots, not your like roots of your hair, your roots, the things that give you strength, the things that allow you to grow, the things that give you stability and the important things in your life, like your children and your spouse and your pets and your art and the, you know, the ugly couch your mother-in-law gave you, whatever, that we've all got a window into the real people we work with by getting a, you know, a peek inside their homes. And I love that. Um, and I hope that part stays. And you live it as well. I mean, when, when we started this conversation today and I said, please tell our listeners a bit more about yourself, you started off by saying, well, I'm a father and I'm a partner and so on and so forth. So you, you, you live by what you say, Ron, and I respect that. And by the way, I've got a two and a half year old as well. It's a challenge, but the best job that I've ever had in my life. Yeah, it's incredible. Business. It's incredible. But, but yeah, I got a sore back. <laughs> um, hey, Rod, now tell me about your, your latest book. Uh, it's called Think, Do, Say, How to Seize Attention and Build Trust in a Busy, Busy World. Um, tell me why did you write it, who it's aimed at, and what are some of the key lessons that readers would take away? And, and also, you know, this book was released in October 2019, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. Things have changed a heck of a lot since then so maybe you can point to a few of the lessons in the book that perhaps have changed since, since yeah since it's i'm working ready. on the next one um that's a little more relevant to the times we were in and have been through but think do say is the the operating system of it is still to this day I still use it it's going into the next book it is the operating system you don't change the operating system you change the inputs and the outputs but you don't change this thing so i i that's what i felt what was needed was that we needed an operating system for brands and for leaders. Secondly, I thought that business was getting way too complicated. We got a mission. We got a vision. We got a BHAG. We got a North Star. We got a purpose. We got beliefs. We got values. We have all these things that were um, getting, it was getting really, really complicated. And it's wonderful academically and philosophically to do those things when you're in the C-suite. But the reality is I spent a lot of time on the road speaking to frontline employees. And the reality was they didn't give a shit. They just didn't because it was getting too complicated. And they were kind of going, can someone just tell me what to do? Like what I'm supposed to live up to? Because I don't know whether I'm supposed to focus on the purpose or the North Star or the vision or the, I don't know. It was just MBA speak for them. And it got really, really complicated. And the reality was, as I said earlier, that we need those people to deliver on the purpose. And if they can't figure it out, 
they're certainly not going to figure out the personal and specific and valued role that they play in bringing it to life. So it was like, how do we just simplify this in a way that anybody can take and apply to their organization? So when we call, consult with clients, and our clients include currently Google and Walmart and people like that, we use this. This is what we use. So think, what do you think? What do you do to reinforce it? And then how do you talk about it? So um, it uh, was very well received, and um, I had a lot of fun writing it. I, I... It was finally the book that I really wanted to write that I felt was truly representative of my voice and um, that I didn't feel with the first one. And that's nothing against the publisher or anything like that. I just, I, when you do the first book, you're kind of learning as you go because writing a blog post isn't the same as writing a book. And so by the time I got to the second one, I was like, I know exactly what I want to do. I know exactly how I want to write it. So it was a much more efficient and I think uh, improved process. And by the way, I don't know if it's that fabulous microphone that you're using, but you do have a good voice. Just, just. <laughs> I read the I read the audio, uh, the audio book myself, and had a lot of fun with that too. Ron, I'm I'm sad to say, sir, that we're almost out of time today. Um, <gasps> no! I, 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 well, I could sit here with you for hours yeah. uh, and, and listen and learn, um, but we don't have time for today. Our listeners have a certain attention span, apparently, exactly according to our stats. So, uh, just to wrap up. Uh, before I do say thank you very much, uh, how can our listeners learn more about you, connect with you? So maybe that's LinkedIn. Maybe you want to share your email address. I'm sure you're super cool and all over platforms like Instagram and TikTok. And of course, how can they learn more about all the cool things happening over at Church and State? Well, you can go to churchstate.com. That's one place. Secondly, you go to rontite.com. And best place, yeah, it's the great when your first and last name are seven letters, pretty much slash rontite on every platform. Uh, but certainly LinkedIn is where I share most business-related uh, content. If you don't want to be um, just see pictures of my kid, uh, my kids on places, uh, LinkedIn is probably the best place to go. I'm pretty active there. I did a search for Ron Tite in Google earlier. Man, you are owning the SEO for that. If there are any other Ron Tites out there, you've yeah. got, you got to work on this, okay? Jeez. Uh, maybe, maybe do a joint podcast with Ron or something. Get get some name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what that looks like. <laughs> um, anyway, hey, Ron, that just leads me to say for today, uh, I'm a huge fan of yours. This has been a big honor for me. Thank you so much for being my guest on this episode. Thanks for having me, Bill. I really appreciate the kind words. And thanks for listening, everybody. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thanks for listening to the HR Chat Show. If you enjoyed this episode, why not subscribe and listen to some of the hundreds of episodes published by HR Gazette. And remember, for what's new in the world of work, subscribe to the show, follow us on social media, and visit hrgazette.com.